I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 4, That Evil May Be Done Away, studying Ether chapters 6 through 11. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a Come Follow Me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Good morning, good evening. Good afternoon, whenever it is that you're listening to this. Um, Did you know I pre-record these? So right now, it is October 19th as I'm recording this, but you actually won't be listening to it until November. So I don't know if you knew that or not. A little fun tidbit to start um, our podcast today. So let's talk about chapters 6 through 11 of Ether some heavy stuff here, you guys. Um, Question one, always, what do we learn about the characters of Heavenly Father and Christ in these chapters, right? Well, chapter six, verse three, we learn that Christ and the gospel provide a light for us so we don't have to go through life in darkness. That's what, if I kept thinking about the stones, right? The stones that the brother of Jared brings to Christ and has him touch to be the light um, while they're in the barges, I kept thinking about these stones as a metaphor for what Christ and what the gospel are to us, right? They're this kind of out of the box answer that provides so much warmth and comfort for us in a way that is not available to us in the world in any other way. I hope that makes sense. Um, chapter six, verse five, sometimes our ferocious winds, um, that seem like chaos are really purposefully driving us toward the promised land. So the next time you're in the middle of a trial, or (laughs) if you're in the middle of a trial, like most of us are in 2020, um, maybe take a second to think about how could these ferocious winds, how could this chaos, how could this tumult, these monstrous waves be actually driving us toward the promised land? And what is that going to look like? Um, Chapter seven, verse 26. I love this verse. So I feel like heavenly father and Christ are all about second, third, fourth, however many chances we need to get it right, right? As long as we are repenting and as long as we are honestly doing the work to try and be better, right? Um, I just love this, um, that he, he will spare the people because they did repent, right? Every time, every time, it doesn't matter how bad things get. It doesn't matter how terrible things are. It doesn't matter how horrible the people have been. If they humble themselves and they say, heavenly father, we messed up. We want to follow you. He is always there to take us in. Um, And I just love that because let me tell you, sometimes I mess up. As a mom, I definitely have those mistrenchable days or I'm reading A Little Princess to my daughters right now. Sometimes I see a little more of myself in Miss Minchin than um, I care to admit. And I love that I have a loving Heavenly Father who, regardless of how horrible and Miss Minchin-ish I can be, um, still opens his arms up to me lovingly and is like, I get that you have hard days 
and he hears my heartfelt prayers for forgiveness. And I just, I, it's one of those things that helps me get through the hard days. Okay. Um, oh, there's my first, um, or maybe it's not my first, um, I don't know. I haven't been keeping track. Chapter eight, verse 22, heavenly father is just and the blood, the hurt of the innocent will not go unpunished, which I think is something for me. I think about all the horrible things like, I mean, you know this, I'm a mom. So I have a very tender heart when it comes to anything that has to do with small children, um, being treated wrongfully, right? Um, whether it's all the horrible things, all the horrible things. I'm not going to get into it because we don't need to talk about it because we all know, we know all the horrible things that happen and can happen to children and humans, um, and small fluffy animals in this world. And I just love that heavenly father is like, yes, these horrible, horrible things happen and there will be justice. Even if we don't see that justice in this world, there will be justice. The innocent blood will not cry out in vain. And I, that's one of those things where my husband and I talk about different things and like, how the heck does this work? And how come this, you know, and how does that work? And, and a lot of the times our answer is, I'm so glad I'm not in charge and that heavenly father has this all figured out. Like we're good. It's okay. Heavenly father has this figured out. We just need to do the best that we can and raise our kids to be the best people that they know how to be, right? It kind of, it kind of takes the pressure of the whole world and trying to fix the whole world off of our shoulders and allows us to kind of lift where we stand and be able to handle the burden that we can bear because we can't, we're just not, I'm, I'm not physically capable of fixing the whole planet as much as I might want to, as much as I might want to, I can't. And so this allows me to be like, it's okay. Heavenly father, this, this is something I'm going to hand to heavenly father. Cause I don't know how to fix this. Um, chapter nine verses two through three, um, heavenly father and Christ are ever merciful and will always come to the aid of their people. Um, and then, okay. So the last one and then, well, penultimate chapter nine, verse 20. There is always hope for repentance. This, okay, I just got to stop and talk about this first for a second because this phrase appears um, in the chapters previously a couple of times. And I feel like this is a, this is a phrase that appears repeatedly throughout the Book of Mormon, okay, that um, they should be destroyed when they were ripened in iniquity. Okay. The phrase is ripened in iniquity. And I think about it, this is going to sound crazy, but I think about it like ripening in terms of fruit or like vegetables, right? Like I've got tomatoes that <laughs> I'm desperately trying to see if I can get ripened. They're all still really green. I don't think that it's going to happen, but there's, there's peak season, right? Like there's all this time that has to take place before your fruit or your vegetables are ripe and ready to be picked. Um, I remember my grandmother saying, you can always tell the ripe fruit or the ripe vegetables because, um, in her case, we were talking about raspberries in her garden. 
you can always tell the ripe ones because they almost fall off into your hand. Like you almost don't even have to pick them. They almost like you just touch them and they fall into your hand. Those are the ones that are ripe and ready to go. And I love this phrase that we essentially have the chance to fix it, to repent until we are ripened in iniquity, until we're so far gone that like the tiniest touch makes us fall because we're so far gone. Um, and so like, I just, okay. So we're talking about ripening in iniquity. Let's move on to the next little section and I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. So chapter nine verses 28 through 35. Okay. My main meat and potatoes takeaway of these verses, Christ and heavenly father are so like in bold underlined so patient with us okay let's talk about these verses in a little more depth because I just <laughs> I couldn't like I, I was a little bit laughing reading these I, I talked to my husband about this and I was like I, I just I don't get it I don't get how you could be this hard so let's look at them um chapter 928 okay there came prophets into the land again crying repentance unto them that they must um let's hold on they must prepare the way of the lord or there should come a curse upon the face of the land yea even there should be a great famine in which they should be destroyed if they did not repent so how do we think the people responded well let's find out in verse 29, they kick out the prophets and they leave them in pits to die. In verse 30, we get dearth, which translated is drought or famine, or rather defined, not necessarily translated. People are destroyed exceedingly fast. In 31, we get poisonous serpents and the flocks start running away. Okay, in verse 32, many perish. In verse 33, it came to pass that the Lord did cause the serpents that they should not pursue or that they should pursue them no more, but that they should hedge up the way so that the people could not pass that whoso should attempt to pass might fall by the poisonous serpents. So now the serpents aren't chasing people out of the city anymore. They're just blocking them in. So now we move to 34 and this is the part where I like the people finally see the light and I'm like this, this is what, okay, let's just, let's read it. It came to pass that it, the people did follow the course of the beasts and did devour the carcasses of them which fell by the way until they had devoured them all. Now, when the people saw that they must perish, they began to repent of their iniquities and cry unto the Lord. So it wasn't the famine that caused them to stop. It wasn't people being destroyed exceedingly fast because of the famine that caused them to stop. It wasn't the poisonous serpents and all their beasts running away. It wasn't even the fact that they were locked into their city with poisonous serpents. It was the fact that they ran out of dead carcasses, which I get is redundant. It was the fact they ran out of carcasses, out of dead things to eat, that they were finally like, hmm maybe we should repent. Like, I just, I told my husband, like, I know thou shalt not judge, but major judgment here, guys. Like, really? This is what it took? Anyway, the coolest part, because I'm not going to lie, this is why I'm not 
I'm not God. This is why I'm not Heavenly Father. This is why I'm not in charge. Because I'd have been like, uh-uh, you had lots of opportunities. You can perish in famine now. Like, sorry, the poisonous serpents are going to eat you after you're done eating everybody else. Okay? So, 35. It came to pass that when they had humbled themselves sufficiently before the Lord, he did send rain upon the face of the earth. And the people began to revive again, and there began to be fruit in the north countries and in the countries all round about. And the Lord did show forth his power unto them in preserving them from the famine. Like, how ever patient are our Heavenly Father and Christ? Like, eternally, right? Like, eternally patient. I would have given up on them a long time ago. Um, but that's why he's in charge and I'm not. Okay. I just love those verses, like the whole, that whole, that whole section. Okay. So what do we learn through these chapters? What are we learning about the plan of salvation? Okay. That's like my other big thing that I always want to hit on. Basically one thing, like I kind of wrote this down a little sarcastically, but I think it's legit as well. Like we have to do and ignore a whole lot of terrible, 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 horrible things in order to qualify to be utterly destroyed off the face of the earth. Like, there is literally no excuse not to repent. We are given every single opportunity and all we have to do is take it. Um, The plan is built in our favor, right? Heavenly Father didn't say, oh, I want all of my children to return to me, but I'm going to make this obstacle course impossible for anybody to get through, right? Obviously, it's impossible for us to make it through perfectly because of the nature of human beings and the nature of how learning works. But he's like, it's okay. I got that too. Here, I'm giving you a savior and he's going to have the atonement and you're going to be able to use his example and use his atonement and you're going to be able to make it back to me if you choose to, right? Like literally it all comes down to what do we decide? What do we choose? Um, and this was the other thing that, cause there's, there's guys, there's a lot of evil that happens in these chapters, right? A lot of war and betrayal and backstabbing and, sons trying to behead their fathers and putting people in jail and lots of crazy stuff. Okay. And the one thing I kept thinking was as much as heavenly father wants us all to be able to return to him, it is more important to him that we choose to return to him. Right? Like, cause that, that's the whole thing, right? That is the plan is we have to choose to follow the straight and narrow path back to Heavenly Father. Um, And this means that sometimes when we let him, he can guide us, right? And sometimes it's with those big waves and big scary wind. But here's the thing. Okay, so I feel like our journey through life is shaped by three main things. Okay, so the first thing is Heavenly Father's plan for us, right? Ideally, if the other two things didn't exist, this would be 
the main shaping of our journey is what is Heavenly Father's plan for us? What are the things I have to learn in order to get back to live with Heavenly Father? Now, the second thing that shapes our journey is our own choices, right? Our personal agency determines how we follow Heavenly Father's plan and how we get from point A to point B. And the third thing that shapes our journey through this world is all the people around us also have agency. Perfect example of this are the two different coups with Omer and Jared and then with Jared and Akish, right? Omer is a righteous king. He follows the Lord. And so when Jared plans to overthrow him, um, Omer is warned in a dream and he's able to take his family that doesn't want to kill him and flee to safety. Um, Jared then becomes king and he experiences a coup as well with Akish, his son-in-law. And because he is not a righteous king and has not been making good choices, he is beheaded and Akish becomes the king. And so I look at this in terms of how Okay, how, how do we apply this, right? That's the last, the last key here. And I feel like our agency determines how we follow Heavenly Father's plan for us. Other people's agency determines some of our challenges, right? That we, we don't get to pick for ourselves, um, in a sense. And Heavenly Fa- understanding Heavenly Father's plan for us helps us understand, helps us be forgiving, And it helps us endure all of the trials and all of the challenges because we know that at the end of the day, we don't have to do it alone, right? Even the things that are really big and really heavy and so, so overwhelming, we know that we have a loving Heavenly Father who has given us the atonement and given us the Savior and who has given us the the justice that we will need, right? He says that innocent blood will not go unheard. That, you know, the innocent hearts that are wounded, there will be justice for those, even if we don't see it, even if it doesn't happen on this earth. Our Heavenly Father is an eternal being and it will happen, right? And sometimes the challenges that we face, again, are of our own design. Sometimes the challenges we face are the winds and the waters and the darkness around us. It's driving us toward the promised land and we have to hold on to the, the, those lighted stones that are Christ, that are the gospel, that are there to help us so we don't have to go through this whole thing in darkness. And sometimes the trials we go through are at the hand of somebody else's agency. And we know that the atonement accounts for that as well. And I feel like sometimes the biggest thing that the Book of Mormon is able to give me is just the peace of knowing that even though I am not in charge or in control of every single thing that happens to me and my family... I am in charge of my own agency and how well I listen to and follow Heavenly Father's plan for me and for our family and that the rest of it, when it comes to other people's agency, when it comes to other things that happen outside of my control, 
there are fail safes and there are plans and there are things that will make it okay. And I feel like the biggest thing that we get from this is faith and peace. And I'm going to challenge you this week to take a look at the things that are happening around you. Take a look at the challenges that you're facing and try to decide, is this something that's pushing me towards the promised land? Is this God-given? Is this because of a choice I made? Or is this a choice somebody else made and this is something I have to hand to Heavenly Father and say, I can't control this, but you can and I know that this will be okay. Okay.